service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 68, the last episode of 2020. Thanks for being here. As always, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Full Service Pod. I am at Tank Funkadelic. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash fullservicepod. You'll be able to hear content, episodes you cannot hear anywhere else. If you enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Hit that subscribe button and you'll be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop. If you're listening to us on iTunes, if you have an iPhone, make sure you hit us with a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you can write us a review, that would help us out so much for visibility. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet this week. This is a recap episode of some of my favorite uh, moments in the podcast that have happened this year. I would have loved to use every episode, but uh, this, I'm going to make it a three-hour podcast. So uh, <laughs> I've only got uh, maybe like maybe like 15 or 16, maybe like seven. I'm not really sure how many uh, I end up using. I'm still, I haven't finished it yet, so I'm still working on it. But uh, hey, <laughs> we're starting off with uh, episode 19, Sophia Lorraine. Um, so I'm going to play her episode, then I'm going to play a little bit of music in between each one, and then I'll have a list of all the episodes that uh, I played in the Libsyn pager this week. So if you hear something you like it, check the Libsyn page, go give that episode a listen. Shout out to uh, everybody that has been a guest on the podcast this year. I cannot do this podcast without you coming on the podcast so fucking i truly appreciate it and shout out if you're a listener thanks for listening to the podcast and uh we will be back in 2021 super excited for uh next year but uh thanks so much for uh checking out the podcast and we'll fucking every single tuesday till the end of time we will be here so make sure you are as well i will see you next year later How, uh, how long have you been uh, involved in sex work or escorting? Like, how long have you been doing uh, Since, uh, I want to say early, no, I'm sorry, late 2014, early 2015. Can you remember the first time you, like, ever heard of sex work at all? Um, it was actually, so funny story behind that. Before that, uh, when I moved here in 2013 from New York, um, this was around the time when, you know, it was January, nobody was hiring, and I didn't know what to do for work. So me and my mom had just finished watching For a Good Time Call. Okay. Um, that movie that with these actresses that I forget their names, but they're trying to survive in New York City, and they decide to become phone sex operators. And after watching that, I was thinking to myself, oh, I wonder if that profession still exists. Yeah. So I Googled it, and it did. And I, I went up to my mom, and I was like, what do you think yeah. if I did this? <laughs> um, so I did that for about, I want to say a year and a half. And once I got into that, I, you know, learned about other things like uh, cam work and um, stripping, of course. And then that's when I kind of stumbled, uh, stumbled across escorting. Okay. And at first I was kind of wary about it because, you know, growing up when you watch films and TV shows, they kind of make it seem like it's this super dangerous thing to do. And the day I decided to do it was when I was walking, I had gotten a call to be interviewed at a waitress as a waitress at a restaurant in Buckhead. And I'm walking to it literally just five minutes from the door. And I stop and I call my mom and I say, Hey, I think I want to be an escort. Hell yeah. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, okay, well come home and we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have to go back to, you went back to New York to talk like, 
Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This was down here. Oh, this down was here. in, um, this was, uh, going into 2014. We were already here because this was our early 2013 was when we moved. Okay. So once I did phone sex operating work for a year and a half, that's when like late 2014 is when I told okay. her, you know, I think I want to do this. Like, let me try it. Heck yeah. Let's look at the pros and cons. <laughs> and how'd you, how'd you actually start? How'd you, did you know anybody who was working as an escort before you started or how? I didn't. I honestly had to rely on Google. I had to. Google I, works. Google works. It works. <laughs> I went on there um, trying to figure out, I read, a, I remember reading a lot of Tumblr posts about how a lot of women would get into it. And a lot of the time they were talking about getting with an agency first, just so you can kind of, you know, get your feet wet, understand the field and how screening works and things like that. Um, especially for someone like me who didn't know at all, like what to do. Yeah. So I think that's when I came across TER. And they had a specific section where you could look up agencies. Okay. So I wrote to every single one of them applying if they had a website available, because I think some of them had websites that were like closed. And I don't think it's going to matter if I mention the name of this agency anymore, because I don't think they're here anymore. Yeah. Um, that's when I got an, a text or a call from Southern Elite Companions okay. run by Misty. And, and it was so odd because i wasn't sure what to expect to once she like asked me to come in the following week i drove up to this really like lovely looking um, buckhead apartment complex and it looked so concrete on the outside but once you got to the inside of it it was like a jungle on the inside it had all this like plant life and it was it's very beautiful and i oh, was nice. just like expecting like to be uh, interviewed in such a harsh way and just be like do you think you're worth it yeah. good enough <laughs> I was like, Do you have what it takes? I know. And I was like sweating bullets. I was like, oh God, I'm not going to make it. And I get to, I think it was on the third or fourth floor. I get inside and another escort invited me in and she was, I thought she was just there to like talk to me. And instead I'm sitting on the couch and she gets a call from Misty and she goes to like the, the far corner of the living room yeah. where I can still hear her. Yeah. And all I hear Misty say is, does she look like her pictures? And then the girl's just like, yeah, she does. I think she'll work. And I'm just like... <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I guess this you. is how it's going to work. <laughs> I guess I'm in. Yeah. So, well, once I have this stuff, you know, seen a person, you know, I don't mind coming out to their house. Okay. I'll go, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there's uh, one client I went out to this house. And, you know, I can't take everything with me. So I just packed the necessities and I have this lube that's powder. It's called J lube. Okay. You, it's concentrate and it's a powder and it's like no, it has no flavor, no smell. You just mix it with water. Okay. It's like a small amount of powder makes like a nice amount of lube. Oh, sure. Nice. Okay. So, you know, I, I do like a strap and stuff like that. So I was in his house we're drinking water, like a Dazani. And I forgot my container, like where I usually mix the lube in. So I was okay. like, shit, fuck it. Yeah. There's as much X amount of water. I'm just going to mix it in here. Yeah. Shake it up, whatever. And then I open another bottle of water. Yeah. And I'm drinking that, you know. And then throughout the session, I'm like, I need, I like to hydrate, whatever. Yeah. And um, I grabbed this bottle of water and I'm like, chug, chug, chug. It wasn't even like a normal gulp. It was like, I was thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> and then like halfway through it, I was like, fuck. This is the I lube. just chugged the lube. <laughs> <laughs> 
And like, I'm kind of a hypochondriac, so I started freaking out. And that's where I lost control, because I lost my shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I person... Mean, what do you do? You're Chuck Lube. Yeah, yeah this person is seeing me, like, freak the fuck out. I'm in full-blown panic. Like, yeah. man, thankfully he did research, and from what it seemed, it's not, you know... And then I called Poison Control, and I told him they were like, nice. it's okay. It's, uh, I'm like, but it was more mental. Yeah. <laughs> I psyched myself <laughs> out. I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, my heart is beating really fast. And it's oh, more God. like a self-induced, you know, more than anything affecting yeah. my body. And, yeah, that, that's probably one of the funniest. Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a cute color. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. That's yeah. <laughs> oh, it was. In hindsight, it, it's funny. In, in the moment, I had really lost yeah. my shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, you know, that's something that I I can do with people that I, you know, put myself and they can see me in the vulnerable position versus yeah. someone new. I yeah. wouldn't want anyone to see me <laughs> yeah. have a full-blown panic attack. But, yeah, definitely. You gotta keep that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what, uh, building these relationships are important. Yeah. yeah. It can be mutual. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been with SWAP about three years. Like I said, I started volunteering and then I was hired on part-time as their uh, support line coordinator. <laughs> I was uh, drawn to it because I used to, like I said, work as a crisis line coordinator for our local domestic violence and sexual assault center. And before that, I was a chaplain at one of our local hospitals. Okay. And in both cases, I met with women who were being mistreated simply because they were sex workers. They were not believed in terms of rape cases. Uh, people kind of shooed the domestic violence situation, not the center. Is, uh, this, is that common a lot where it's in rape cases where they're like, you're a sex worker, I don't, I don't believe? Yeah, not so much with sexual assault centers. They usually believe. Yeah. But definitely with uh, law enforcement, with... Even friends and family, uh, if they know that their loved one's a sex worker, they'll still kind of blame the victim. Say, "Well, you shouldn't be a sex worker." It's but, almost like you're in a you're putting yourself in a dangerous situation, right? So you're you're if you weren't in that situation, that would have wouldn't have happened. Exactly, which no one does the same for any other yeah. job that has risks. If you're a soldier and get your leg blown off no one says well shouldn't have gone to afghanistan yeah no they say wow we respect your service if you fall off a a uh, construction job and you know break your hip bone again people are like well you shouldn't have been doing construction no they're like wow that's so horrible yeah. you know i hope you feel better soon but if something happens recently, you may have seen the clip. There was a uh, a pole dancer who oh, fell yeah. off the pole from a great that height. Was 30, 40 feet. Um, uh, one, she's an awesome athlete. Oh, <laughs> and uh, two, after it, there was a division of how people approached it. Yeah. Many people, especially people who were also sex workers, were so empathetic, sympathetic, and we're starting to raise money for her because yeah. as independent contractors, a lot of times uh, there's no health care for dancers. But 
there were also people on the internet who were just laughing. Like, ha ha, look at this stripper fall and break her jaw, which yeah. is what happened. She yeah. had to have it wired shut. Yeah. And, or blame. I saw one person say, well, this is God's judgment on you for being a, for being a <laughs> stripper. And it's like, really? I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I think that she had an accident just like people have accidents every day on their jobs. Yeah. But no one laughs at other people when they get really hurt. Even when it's America's Funniest Home Video, what's the first thing you say? Oh, I hope they aren't hurt. Yeah. And when you find out they are, then you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, you got, they got a shot in the, shot with a dart in the ass. Okay, ah, ha, ha. As long as they weren't hurt. Yeah, as long as they weren't hurt. But yeah, it, it is attitudes like that that's so frustrating that you can't even feel some empathy or even some sympathy for somebody who just broke their jaw. But instead, you focus on the fact that she was... Uh, stripping or dancing on a pole or whatever to uh, denigrate that person when they're already feeling horrible enough in I mean, physical pain. Even the fact that she, that was like, she got off easy with a broken jaw, honestly. Well, yeah, it was a huge hike. Because she could have died. Yeah. Like, that's not even... No, uh, a wrong turn of the neck and uh, that would have not... been, that would have been it. It's just as easy as like when Christopher Reeve fell off his horse. If you fall at a different angle, you're paraplegic. Yeah. And... It's, uh, but instead of thinking about that, again, there was a certain amount of people online who were just making fun or condemning her or saying she deserved it, and that just well, is I mean, wrong. Even to if me. you see the video in the club, there's people mm-hmm. that stand up and cheer. Yeah. Like that are right at the stage, like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, what? Yeah. Like, is she okay? Yeah. It was just horrible. And I, I do think maybe some of them were thinking, oh, this is kind of an act or something, yeah. but. I do also think that there were probably some people there who were like, ha ha, you know, <laughs> because again, there's this, there's this whole animosity that even people, who, even some people who go to sex workers, whether they're uh, dancers, whether they're escorts, etc., will still denigrate them, even though they're using their services. Yeah. It's like going to a restaurant and uh, being really rude to the waitstaff, the chef is like, well, why'd you come to our restaurant if you're going, if you don't like our chef, if you don't like our waitstaff? But they love the food and they love the ambiance, they love the atmosphere. It's like people are individuals, they're humans, and uh, you don't mistreat them um, for being who they are. I had never heard of a rub and tug. I didn't know that this kind of thing existed at all. I didn't know what I was getting into. I couldn't even really imagine what was going to happen. But the place was called a hostess lounge. Okay. So in my mind, I sort of thought that maybe there would be like serving drinks involved. Okay, that makes sense. Or something like that. But really, the woman had set up a massage parlor as a private club, which is legal in Canada. Okay. So everyone that wanted to get an appointment at the massage parlor had to go through an orientation and they had to pay a fee to sort of legalities that are involved with running a private club in Canada. And so she ran it as such. Anyway, she invited me in to watch an appointment and she just like narrated her whole way through doing it really yeah so she started off massaging this this guy wayne i still remember <laughs> what up, to wayne? this day wayne? wayne if you're out there 
I remember you. Um, yeah, she was massaging this guy, this guy, Wayne, and she was saying, okay, I'm paying special attention to the inside of his thighs. You know, I'm um, giving him body slides, which are like... So she's saying this out loud to you yes. while this is... Ha- okay. Yeah, as this guy is just like <laughs> laying there and, and He's probably like, he's massage. like, well, you know, someone's got to be the, the dummy. You know, yeah. someone's got to someone's gotta take the... <laughs> someone's got to be the guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she was just like, yeah, so... Uh, you know, I'm paying special attention to the inside of his thighs and I'm covering his back with oil and here's how you do a body slide. You kind of like ram your, you know, breasts or front end into their back and like massage them with your breasts okay. like, as she's showing <laughs> me what to do. And um, she eventually had the guy turn over and gave him now in retrospect what was probably the saddest and shortest hand job of all time. <laughs> but she just had him turned over and was like, okay, so yes. So I'm putting my face close and I'm looking up at him and I'm now, you know, going up yeah. and down. I have some lube over here that I'm going to put on and then go a little faster um and <laughs> then she did it and i was like what the absolute fuck's going on and then she said okay this is the most important part this is the part that sets us apart oh nice. from the other um massage parlors and she went and um soaked a washcloth in super hot water Ooh, and the just, hot towel oh boy and, and just like wiped him down with it and said like this is really the hot the towel. Really important part. Episode three, Steena Val. <laughs> Me and Steena, we talk about uh, the hot towel. She got a bad review because she didn't use a hot towel. Oh all the time. my god! Guy got really, guy got really upset that he, that uh, she didn't have a hot towel. That she didn't like wipe him down with, with the, the hot, hot towel. towel. Ones, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I feel like yeah, I feel but like I mean I... the hot towel. That's a luxury, you know. That's a. It is the hot sense. towel is necessary. People man. would come to a place for the hot towel. I feel. There was, and this, I would, I would probably include this at the end, but I'm gonna do it now. Okay. So there was this one client the agency had who wanted the, the girl to save the used, filled condoms of all of the other clients throughout the day. Okay. So that he could drink the cum from the full condoms at the end of the day. And the agency is like, hey... The last girl that this that or the only other girl that he did this with literally vomited. So <laughs> they were like, "Can you, you know, can you do?" You know, I was. Is he paid extra for this? And that's a good point too. Um, he probably should have. Uh, and that, and I actually ended up not meeting with him, but it was that same day where they were like, "Hey," um, and I was, I was like, "I love this job. It's so like fascinating. I'm just the the intellectual like." dynamic like the just like what is going on in your mind like, that's that, incredible i wonder what like what compelled him to want to drink come from condoms of the other clients from that day yeah man is this some game of thrones like eat the horse heart <laughs> <laughs> this will make me stronger i shall absorb their powers <laughs> oh 
Who needs who needs Viagra when you got the cum of all the other dudes? <laughs> That's what really gets me hard, just oh. drinking a lot of jizz. <laughs> yes. So so basically he this was my first client of the day. Burly guy comes in just you know just comes in hard. I wanna fuck and drink jizz. <laughs> you know, I want I wanna fuck you hard. I want I wanna and he wanted to come all over my face and hair. Granted he knows he's the first client of the day. He's, I, I, and he goes, and I've been, I've been saving up. I was like, I've been saving up for, for three days. <laughs> so he had a load and he'd been saving up. He's like, and I've been exercising too. So you know, this is going to be good. <laughs> so he had a load. He was saving up for three days to just fucking blow it all over my face and hair. Right. It's a hearty load. So, of course, you know, I, I'm, no, this is not like, like yeah. I'm having to take, in, I'm, I'm taking matters to my own hands. But then the thing is. I have this client at the end of the day that wants to drink all the cum from all the condoms. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, he's been waiting three days. Oh, this is, oh, okay. So tables, tables turn. Yeah. Instead of me being like this, oh, oh, this guy just, you know, the victim. Yeah, fuck that. Um, I'm like, so I start actually having a really good time and I get really into it. I'm like, oh, oh my God, can you please just come inside me? And he's like, huh? And I was like, no. No, I'm just, I'm so kinky. Can you please just, I love when guys come in condoms inside me. Oh my God. Like, daddy, can you do that for me? And I end up, you know, he looks kind of confused, but he, you know, he's been waiting three days. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) it's almost already about to blow. It doesn't, doesn't last too long. And I think he was like, whoa, like this girl's really into it. And I was was having a blast. Just like, oh, please just in the condom. Yes. And so. He does. And I take the condom and I had a little like Starbucks cup, to, yeah. cup saved uh, for this, you know, big client at the end of the day that yeah, might yeah. not come. And, and so I, I take the condom and I put it in the cup and he's like, you're not going to flush it? I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's just, it's what I'm into. I just love to <laughs> save come And I don't really know what to say. I'm like, I love come and And he's, you know, he's kind of. You know, the guy that came in so hard. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm a, you know, I'm going to abuse you hard. He's like, can you take a shower with me? And so I do. I, do. I go, like, yeah. take, take a shower with him because I know he wanted to keep in. And, like, he, he's like, he kept asking. He's like, so well, why don't, no, every every girl. And he, he was the one that was like, oh, I've never, I've never known an agency that just didn't let me blow a load on a girl's, a girl's face. And he went, yeah, he went from being that asshole to like. Well, every other girl I've met, they always flush the condom. I'm like, oh no. I'm like, it's my kink. It's my fetish. I just get off This to is it. what I'm having for dinner today. And, and so he's like really disturbed all of a sudden. Oh, really? The disturber becomes disturbed. And, and he's like, what are you going to do with that? And then all of a sudden he starts pleading with me. He goes, he's like, please. He's like, I'm married. Okay, not helping your case. And <laughs> I didn't say that, but in my mind, I was just like, oh, wow, really? Like, And uh, he's like, no, like he just starts pleading with me. He wants me to flush it. I'm like, no, please. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I really got to save this cum for this client at the end of the day. Yeah. So I'm like, and this, I mean, he was waiting three days to bust it on my face. This is perfect. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't want to like, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, no, just let me, I'm, I promise you it's just a fetish. It's just, and he's really concerned. So he lunges around me, grabs the condom out of the Starbucks cup, and runs out the hotel, like, runs into the hotel hallway yeah. with his full condom, like, held up in hand, just running out of the room with the condom held up like the Olympics torch. 
I tell people when they ask me like what I do for a living, I tell them I'm a sex worker because the stigma is never going to go away. If even me, who I'm very proud of what I do, I'm not willing to stand up and understand the risk that I run yeah. when I stand up and for us all. Yeah. But I'm lucky that I can. Yeah. I don't have any kids. I'm not married. Um, I'm not running for office. Okay. Yeah, you have the privilege to be able to like tell people. That. So I feel like a responsibility. Like okay. That that like I can say. Yeah. I can. So I do, and I get heat for it. I get flack for it. You know. Yeah. Not everyone wants to hang out with a whore. <laughs> but I'm okay with that, and I can say that word, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. Okay. <laughs> it almost slipped out. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, and but that's okay, and also. I don't want to hang out with everyone else either. Yeah. You know, like, I find some people's professions that are not into it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Whatever it may be. So, that's okay. I'd rather know right away than, like, oh, three months down the road, you find out that now you don't respect me anymore. Now you don't want to be my friend anymore. Yeah. Well, it's just right away. This is who I am. You don't like me. That's perfectly fine. That helps, I feel like, up front. Because you're like, you know, I got to get this. Uh You don't have to spend that whole bullshit waiver period. And then you tell them. And then they're like, I'm out. You're like, well, fuck me. Why did I waste my time? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I'm like, first date right away. Yeah. This is what I do. Because if you want to end this date right now because you're too good to be a sex worker, like, oh. That's good for me because I don't have to deal with this bullshit. Like, yeah. And guess what? I can pay for my own food. Yeah. <laughs> <Tonight>. <laughs> I'm going to take this cocktail and I'll be up there. <laughs> you know? So some people I know think that I shouldn't be as vocal about my work. Yeah. Just because, I guess, of the nature of it or the stigma of it. But I don't think that I, I can – I don't think it's right for me to be quiet. Okay. Because I don't have to be. And again, like – very proud of what I do you know people want to judge me like uh and I just look at them you know they're going nine to five to work totally respectful nothing against that like everyone's got to work how they want to work you got to make your money but like when you're gonna sit there and judge me and like who manages your time your boss your boss yeah you know you you better be there when you're supposed to be there you don't manage your own time but at least every dime that you make while you're working goes right into your pocket, right? Yeah. Or no. Oh, no. Oh, oh, wait. No. Your boss gets the majority of what you make. Honey, you got a pimp. Okay. Who's the whore? God damn it. I'm getting pimped. You know, <laughs> I run my business. I see what I want to do. Like, I'm in complete charge of my time. And I'm proud of that lifestyle. The thing that's most important to me for my happiness is independence. And I've been an entrepreneur for like 10 years now, you know, so I've always I've been on this trajectory. And at this point, like, I don't need anyone telling me what to do. Yeah. And then I found something I really love doing. I'm really good at. It's like you're leveling up almost. almost yeah. Like you're... Honestly, yeah, I do feel that way. So that's when people are like, oh, if you could do anything you want to do, I'm like, I am and I can. Yeah. I can. That's I nice. got a degree in mathematics. Like, I can do whatever <laughs> I want. Like, if that taught me anything... It gave me the strength that, like, I can do hard things and make it through. I think um, in some ways, maybe being black is, it's definitely, like, fetishized, which is fine. That's, like, your thing. But in in some ways, it can be an advantage because people seek out someone who is black or a black woman. Okay. Um, And then I think about, like, maybe dancing. Uh... 
think some people don't expect me to be as articulate as I am or like that well-spoken bullshit makes me angry though. yeah you've you heard it too right like <laughs> you're so well-spoken right oh, you I must have read books like oh, thank you so much I really appreciate that right actually you should really be thanking my parents just can you write them a letter because right. I wouldn't be what I am without <laughs> yeah I've Most definitely heard stuff like that or yeah. Um, I think that's probably most of the reason why I've gotten hired in some places is because when I open my mouth or how I carry my, myself, like, Fuck yeah. cause some clubs, honestly, it's kind of like a divide. Like, you know, there's black clubs and there's white clubs. Yeah. Simple. Like, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like maybe in black clubs, I had to figure out how to fit in, like in some ways and then in other yeah. ways. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like almost like kind of like comedy too. Like so, there's like white mm-hmm. white white rooms and then black rooms. Oh, it's it's cra- like the the dynamics completely different in, in both rooms. Right, and like black rooms are definitely harder. Like no matter what comic you talk to, right, black rooms will be harder. <laughs> exactly, because some jokes may not translate. Well, that so, too. It's just like mm-hmm. I feel like black people. It's like if you're not funny, like immediately they'll let you know. Like if you're not, if you're not good, they'll fucking roast you really? on stage. Whereas like a wide audience, they'll be like, you know, he's trying. Okay? He's, he's, we can see that he's he's put forth the effort, but they'll be like, you fucking suck. That's one hundred percent true, actually. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I love to see black comedians call out the one white person in the black room, though. Yeah, I love that. They love it too. Like, yeah, they're, they're, that's always funny. <laughs> Love to see it. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely different. And yeah, in some ways it can be harder, but I just think of it as an asset. Like I'm different. Some people might consider it exotic. That's problematic, but it's not my job (laughs) to. (laughs) My buddy says says ethnic and I'm like, bro, that doesn't even even make sense. Gosh. (laughs) I'm like, everybody has an ethnicity. Exactly. (laughs) Please don't call black people ethnic. If you're listening, (laughs) please. Like what the? (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like even um, I don't know. It's just very interesting. Even just code switch, like all that stuff. Like it's very interesting, and it's hard to articulate too, especially if you're not black. Like yeah, (laughs) it's hard to articulate why it's different to be black in this in sex work or in this field. Because again, it can be yeah, it's. It can be advantageous. It can be like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. fucking, yeah. It could be an asset. It could be a disadvantage. It could be people assuming things like, oh, you might be ghetto. You might make this place look more this or yeah. that or whatever. Or maybe even someone who wants to meet me might expect me to be more, I don't know, like, I can't even find just, the word. Yeah, just different than you are. Yeah. Like what you see on TV yeah. <laughs> or something. And it's not that. I'm an individual. <laughs> We're changing these stereotypes out here, people. What up? How y'all yeah, doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. And we were talking about goals, and I was telling them, you know, some of the goals that I have. And I was like, you know, I struggle with being my authentic self. So I'm telling this group of girls about some wild stories from my past, and they were like, holy shit, Chantel. Like, that's not possible. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you look boring as hell. I was like, I look boring? And they're like, yeah, you look boring. Like, your Twitter 
everything about you, like you're like you're basically my marketing says that I'm a boring time. Take yeah. me to brunch, take me to brunch, but I'm not going to have much personality. And I was like, oh, my God, is that what clients think of me? Like, Damn, I yeah. have no idea. And it's funny because after they mentioned that, I started thinking about conversations I've had with clients and they're always surprised by like I, I get, when they meet me and then when we start talking and I open up, they're always like, wow, you're like actually really cool. And I was always <laughs> thinking really. to myself, like, why do people <laughs> say that as if it's a shock? Like, what did they expect? And then it clicked like, oh, well, I didn't realize that my marketing was coming off as like some, you know, like really stuffy. Like, you know, some girls, they could get away with that branding. But I guess for me, that branding did not work. Yeah. And so I will say that. So like maybe the past like four years, <laughs> I was bad at escorting because I wasn't being true to myself. And then it was also, you know, I, I didn't want um, I didn't want to be called out. You know, like if somebody locally like thought it was me, I didn't want anybody to be like, that's definitely her. Uh, and then okay. I was I was also afraid of people, you know, a I mean, I'll, I'll say that I don't actually care if people judge me. But if it affects my money, then I care, right? So, yeah. like, so let's say, um, let's say if somebody were to, you know, be like, oh, she likes rock music or she's a wrestling fan, I'm not going to book her based on that. That's when I care. So I wasn't sure, like, you know, I know that, you know, I'm a black girl. I know that, you know, typically black women are not hardcore metalheads so i'm like is that gonna turn off a client fuck that so well of course fuck that but if yeah. i'm not if i'm not being booked right that's true it's yeah. like you know so then like that's where it's like i'd like to not care but if i'm not being booked then of course i'm going to care so it was like struggling to decide like do i show more of my authentic self and so for four years i was suppressing that i was hiding that now i'm like there are clients that have found out these things about me. Like I actually had a client, um, this was what, 2018, I believe. Yeah. 2018. Okay. He actually met me on uh, from, uh, phone sex and, um, he, we got to chatting and we would just have like actual like conversations about life, about interests and music. And I opened up to him and told him that I was a huge fan of lamb of God. And okay. he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, so we had many conversations about music and, you know, our favorite bands. And he bought me like VIP side stage tickets to a Lamb of God show in in Nashville, Tennessee. And Damn, that's nice. I went to Nashville to see Lamb of God because he gifted me these tickets. So it was like, you know, so after that, it was like, yeah, you know, I should feel a little more open. So I think it was... Um, Around last fall, I started being more open about that because I made a Twitter post. I was going to see Disturbed, and I was okay. like, you know what? I'm go I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna post it. I posted a picture of me and you know my rocker uniform. <laughs> this is what I look like when I go out to concerts. Like it's completely like opposite than what people were used to seeing Chantel as, and I actually got great feedback from it. Do you feel like people have been definitely more receptive of you being more open, like in your authentic self, or is it? I honestly, yeah, it's been great. It has been really great. I cannot complain about it. Like I, 
My only regret is not doing it soon enough. Sadly, in this like world, I feel like we don't teach consent enough. And so I think like starting out very young, I didn't really understand consent okay. and fully what that meant. And I like that this is an opportunity a lot of times to like teach consent oh, yeah. to clients because they don't always know it either. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, if can I do that? Okay, cool. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to be cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like coercion's a big one. Like clients like don't realize that like asking over and over and over again is oh, not yeah. consent, you know? No like trying to break somebody down but yeah so i feel like i don't know i feel like my views on sex have gotten a lot healthier fuck yeah and i feel like i definitely don't kink shame yeah. i feel like maybe when i was younger i would be like ew that's disgusting like as long as it's two consensual adults like i'm not here to kink shame i yeah. may not provide that or do that yeah but like you do you boo yeah. it is not on me to like shame you for that at all everyone's got their own thing i know right i think it's yeah i think it's just understanding that like it's too two adults they're doing this thing that they both agreed upon one yeah. one person they're both both making each other happy you know i don't get why and it's like a safe thing you know i don't yeah i mean like i'm super queer like in my own like sexuality like like i really like like threesomes and orgies and i like it with where everyone's like pansexual or bisexual or whatever like, okay sweet so like everyone's kind of just like having sex with everyone it's not like men won't touch men or women won't touch yeah. women so i think like that's really fun and i wish there was more of that in my work yeah like i wish it wasn't so like it just feels like very like heterosexual or yeah. very like cis i mean the first time i pegged a client i was yeah. really nervous because i'm like man i've never actually like performed anal sex on somebody yeah so it was like that was like yeah had they, they had done that before though yeah they had okay so i was like so, like, they, I mean, they brought their own equipment and stuff. Okay. So, I was just like, man, this is, I mean, it was fun. It was interesting. But I was like, it was super hot. Like, I'm like, now I love doing this. <laughs> but at first, but that's why communication is important. Yeah. And everyone feels so awkward about communicating. Every, it is. Because it's like, it's almost like a man, like, just like even being like a black dude or whatever. I'm like, mm -hmm. this, like this like manhood thing is so wrapped up in that. And like. Toxic masculinity. I don't even, I don't even, I mean, I'm not really. I mean, maybe it is, but uh, just like being able, afraid to be like, I kind of want this to try this thing. I don't know what that means about me if I'm asking you to do this thing. Like, because it makes you vulnerable. Yeah, and people are just afraid to to be vulnerable, and because I mean, you're not like who's judging. There's that's the thing. That's the thing is like you can ask someone to do this thing, and there's not going to be judgment on yeah. the other side. You know, at least hopefully not. I mean, well, yeah. depending on what you're asking, ask like asking for or whatever. But. I mean, don't have sex with somebody who's judging you for yeah something that's like, you know, not like, you know, I'm not gonna pretend to be a child or something. But yeah, like, no. You know, but like otherwise, like you know, I I think consent is super hot. I think it's super hot when people communicate. Yeah. And they like and clients all the time they'll ask me to do something. Yeah. And I'll be like, no, no, honey, I don't do that. Yeah. They're like, okay. Yeah. You know, and I'll say like, but I love that you asked. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to. You got to ask. Fucking listeners out there, if you're fucking <laughs> ask the question. <laughs> you do. They say ask. no, fucking, it's not happening. You know? And if yeah. You, don't ask again. Okay? Chill. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at least ask the questions. You know, I feel like that's, that's key, you know? Yeah. And then on the flip side, like, don't shame somebody for asking. Yeah. You know, try to like make them feel good about it and. 
I don't know. Maybe you have somewhere you know where they can get that done. Yeah. Then you got the recommendations. Yeah. I'll try to spread the love around. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's key. There, yeah, there's a lot of taboo shit in porn. And, I, and I, I hate saying taboo to IR because I feel like that should not be taboo. Yeah, definitely not. No, I hate that so much, but it is what it is, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, like, so you'll see different, like, scenes, like, you know, like, step step porn, like, incest kind of shit. Do you feel mm-hmm. like they, the demand for that is driving the production of those kinds of scenes, or do you think they're producing those scenes and then that drives the demand for people wanting to see that? I, th- I think it's both. I think that people demanded it, so it started happening, and then people started watching it, and then, you know, it just appears on, you know, all the tube sites, whatever. Yeah. And the guy's like, okay, cool. And then people just got so used to it that it's kind of just snowball effect of, yeah. like, people who didn't think they would like it, it's just so normalized now that they're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I know uh, in a lot of music, or, like, yeah, in a lot of music, like, there'll be, like, an underground scene that kind of... Is producing the next next wave of what eventually mm-hmm. the you will see on the mainstream. Yeah. Do you feel like there's like these independent porn companies that are kind of small or almost like driving the driving force in the industry to what people kind of want, or do you feel no. like, do you feel like it's always going to be the it's the always going to be it's always going to be the top people who yeah. are always the first on Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, yeah. etc. Okay. Like the the first thing that pops up because. I mean, I'm deprived. Like, I search multiple, multiple, multiple pages. But the average person, like, first page, okay, cool, this looks, this looks hot. Yeah. I'll click on it. And that's usually, you know, top These, dog company. It's fucking boring, motherfuckers. You gotta, I know. Yo, go to the fucking seventh page, at least. Yes, you know? those are the good, best. Get that good shit, you know? There's gonna be some, like, some good looks. They're giving each other, like, intimate looks. It's gonna be nice. It's real. It's You're not fake. That. You're gonna feel that shit. Yeah, like, the, the first three pages are totally fake. Yeah. i want the real shit like i want husband and wife just like being kinky and filming their shit it's just like two people having a conversation and then like one person's getting their dick sucked under the table and then it's It's like like, oh you're my stepmom can you help me my homework yeah let me suck your dick it's like no that's not how it works no like that i just can't get off to that yeah it's just so just not like a plausible scenario yeah let go of all the judgment yeah like you're meeting people and you're meeting them for their person yeah not what that's one of the greatest things is just like going into a thing and there's like no judgment i feel like and it's just like a free fucking zone or whatever yeah or it's just two people doing this thing and like shit doesn't really fucking matter and you can talk about whatever yeah like if we met so you come in and talk about your day if you're like a little bit shy then i'll just talk and i'll like put stuff out of you or just talk about myself, whatever, how, you know, feel how your person's going to be. Yeah. And regardless if you feel, okay, I want to be open or not, it's a safe place. Yeah. Like you can just be who you want. So when you come see me, it's a level where I'll, you know, the smiles, the energy, like it's a fun place. And to be able to bring that to people, my God, like to be able to bring joy to somebody yeah that it's just looking for that energy like not the sex like i'm talking about just no, straight, being yeah just like straight up because like when i first started i was like i was like 
I didn't know why I was doing it or whatever. And I'm like, ultimately, like, I hadn't had sex in a while. So I'm like, oh, if, initially, I'm like, I'm just doing this to have sex with somebody. Right. But then I'm like, but there's definitely more to this. What, like, because it's like an intimacy, like, intimacy thing or closeness or connection or what, what the, like, you're, so many people are doing it for so many different fucking reasons. Right. And just the fact that you're able to, like, bring that, like, not like joy, but just, like, make them feel fucking better is, it's, it's a great thing. And not feel like, oh, so if you go sit at the bar and you, like, work her in a little bit and then take her up to her hotel that means like more no like just let go of your ego yeah and killing your ego killing your ego is the greatest thing ever and just because (laughs) like to me i am so much i'm so genuine there's not a date unless like i completely can't vibe with the person that's like rare yeah but that i'm not genuinely myself like genuinely being present with somebody yeah and then, you know, regardless, things are going to flow. But that genuine connection, then it makes things flow even better. I feel like, too, just with the whole present thing, right? I feel like there's very few interactions, like, where you're, you fucking always have your phone or there's something yeah, like... that's true. I never even thought about yeah, that. Yeah, there's not very many interactions ah. where, like, two people are just completely present the whole time. I never even... For a certain amount of time, Yeah, because you know? it's like, if you're, if you're on your phone, I'll be like... What is what? Yeah. Okay. I'll ask you once and then you would be like, okay, it's like home. I got to take care of something. But yeah, there's not that. So I never even thought about that. That's a really good point to just be able to have that time and be present with another human being. Yeah. Because you just don't, you don't even get that really even ever. No. Because you're always just doing some shit or something's happening. And when you're with your friend, like it's still socially acceptable. You're both on your phone. Then you're chit-chatting, but you're still on your phone. Yeah. 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 I've been growing since I was seven years old. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And I, heard, I heard that if you're like, if you can grow tomatoes, you can also grow weed. So, is that true? Actually, what's funny is um, my father, he literally tried to, this is how I started growing, is he tried to put them off as uh, tomato plants. Oh, okay, nice. So, so he's like, they're tomato plants. Yeah, and so like, I was tomatoes? always out there every day. Watering tomato plants, like, you know. See, that's good, because you could tell even, like, you your know? teachers at school, you're like, oh, yeah, we're just growing tomatoes. Yeah. So, I thought I was growing tomato plants the whole time when I was seven years old. And then, <laughs> like, come, when no tomatoes came out, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, you, I mean, you, I, we, we fucked up this year. No. No tomatoes came. Um, but we actually, so what happened, it was funny, because after they, like, cured it and everything... I, like, threw the weed out. Oh, God. And, because I thought it was, like, grass or something. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and um, I got I got in trouble for that. And they're like, no. Oh. And then they had to tell me the truth. <laughs> Did like, it actually get thrown away? Like, like, I like no, I pushed it. Like, I just, like, pushed it to the floor. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're like. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, this is, this is, okay. They had to explain to me after that, like, what it was. <laughs> But I thought the whole time while I was watering these plants and they're like getting bigger and bigger. I was like, these are going to be the best tomatoes ever. (laughs) And I was like, they smell so good. They do. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember having that thought in my head, you know? That's funny. Yeah. And I was like, why am I in trouble for getting rid of like 
weed. Yeah. Because <laughs> it weeds. It looks just like it looks like just like tomato scraps. You're like, well, I mean, this is yeah. obviously this is what we not what we wanted. Exactly. It turns out it is exactly what we wanted. We knew, ex- we knew what we were doing the whole time. Yeah. The joke is on you, but please don't. Right. Do, please don't do well, that again. I will. I would never. That's money right there. stand up you know like i have to like i like listen back to my sets in order to like get better and stuff mm-hmm. do you ever like watch yourself on film to be like kind of like get bad like see but like oh, i could have like i don't know get this just watching you watch yourself does it watch yourself i help? watch myself on film i always end up masturbating yeah that's what i do when i listen to my comedy sets too that's right. <laughs> see great minds think alike that's true huh? <laughs> we're turned on by ourselves isn't that awesome <laughs> we're our first and best lovers <laughs> you gotta be i feel like you oh know. you have to be you if only, you're not you need to step back because if you can't take care of yourself how can you take care of anybody else real talk that's yeah. true yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> do you feel any pressure during a scene to perform at all like you're like oh man there's all these people like i'm i'm here like they're this studio oh no it's, it's titillating it's just, you get this energy and it just kind of tingles all over you, like feeling their eyes all over you, feeling, ooh, we're going to move the camera angle. Oh, here's the um, boom with the the microphone coming down to get more of the, oh. Got to have the oh. Yes. Fuck yes, that. you have to. You have to. The uh, Avian Expo. It's uh, January every year, isn't it? Yes, it is. Did you go this year? I sure did. How was was that? Oh, it's such a naughty good time. (laughs) I came home and I had to ice my pussy. What? That sounds like a good... I mean, that... that, It was a good time. It was so naughty. Hell yeah. What's Mm. what's it like? Debauchery at its finest. (laughs) So I interviewed interviewed a lady. She did uh, porn like early, like 2000s. And she mentioned AV... Like, when she went to AVNs, it's like everybody's fucking oh yes yes it's just like one big party oh my god it's one big party but it's also one bit content filming session um people come and they come with lights cameras all their equipment they will get um in some cases very expensive hotel rooms and set up and they just like i literally had a schedule of i'm shooting with this person then I'm going to shoot with this person. I'm going to walk the floor here, shooting again. Hell yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and it's just, it's building content. I fucking love history so yeah. much. Especially- it's my favorite. I'm such a weirdo. Like I watch Ancient Aliens. Nice. And it totally ties into like, okay, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So Are let there- me rephrase that. I'm a conspiracy realist. All right. Like the truth is there and 90% of all conspiracies have proven to be facts. So why are these conspiracies nowadays any different? Was men in black real? Yes. Are roaches really that big? Yes. God. In this th- at one point, I believe. Like, I yeah. Need some sugar water. That was, that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything in Men in Black was real, but the okay. whole base of it obviously was. I mean, it was based off something. I see. You see Most that Hollywood movies. Did you, did you see that UFO video the other day where it was like flying against the wind? There's been that, and the so shit, like, many turned, UFO videos recently. The shit like, turned and like outflew a fucking like fighter jet. Yes, I did see that actually. <laughs> and it was like, oh my! And he's like, yo, this is this thing is flying against the wind. Like it shouldn't be yeah, able no, to physically and, and like the U.S. is just like here's all our UFO videos. Yep, yep, aliens exist. We've known about it for years. Like it's all you, you can go online and read it all right now. 
Everybody classified was, documents, everything. A couple. I remember a couple months ago, like people were going to like we're gonna like there's like a Facebook group where people <laughs> like we're gonna 51. storm Area 51 and get all the fucking alien secrets. <laughs> they were pussies. That didn't happen. Like, <laughs> no, because a few people showed up though actually, and uh, I was watching a video on YouTube about it, <laughs> and like. There was, like, big dudes with guns standing there yeah, and, like, in like... every single, like, part of the fence. <laughs> and, like, people were just, like, throwing things at them, like, you can't take it away from us. We want to know what's back there. And they're, like, holding signs and everything. And yeah. It was ridiculous. They're like, we didn't. We thought we'd just be able to walk in. We didn't realize there'd be people But what with people guns realize is there's, uh, there's more bases in that area besides Area 51 that are yeah. way more prominent that nobody, you know, thinks about. Oh, shit. And they're all connected. Damn. So, alien? How do I? Man. I wonder if, if we'll be able to really find out about the, like, seeing an alien there. What kind of aliens are driving these ships? I just can't believe that there's not... I think there's more than one alien race. Because, like, out of all those planets in the solar system and the galaxies yeah. and all the, you know, the constellations and all the that... The universe is huge. Yeah, there's no way that there's just, like, humans and, like, human-ish looking little greys. Like, there's, like, reptilians people talk about, the Pleiadians, the... Crab people? No, that's not. There maybe there's crab people. <laughs> that was South Park. They <laughs> say the mermaid people are technically like aliens or whatever. So like, I just wonder, like, you know, there are all the different reports of different aliens from different people, but still a big mass amount of people seeing that certain type. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just can't dismiss it. Just like I don't dismiss the Loch Ness monster. I don't dismiss mermaids. We've only discovered three percent of our world's o- uh, uh, oceans. Yeah. So there's no way we know. What's there? And especially just like technology's increasing, like the fucking like even a half a century ago, we didn't know shit about shit. And how we got the internet? Well, we're like Whoa. right at one point we thought the world was flat. I mean, there's still people that think the world's flat. I'm not a flat earther. I'm gonna put that out there right now. Okay. I'm not. You want to hear something funny? My weed, my weed guy. <laughs> Is he a flat earther? He's a flat earther. I need to see. You know, me and him need to talk. That's kind of cool though. <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> I'm open minded to it. Like I listen to people and their theories, and I put okay. You know, yeah, I totally get that. But yeah. then I like you know tell them my theory. So. You know, I yeah. I'm not gonna be pigeonholed into like one thing. And I mean, these are just like unforeseen fucking times. Yeah, no one like, knows what's like, happening next. You got to do what you got to fucking you do to, to roll make it work. It. I mean you know? the. The badge of a true, long-term, original, badass sex worker is to be able to always roll with the punches. Yeah. No matter what comes at you, you always have an, a way out or an option or a level up. So, yeah. I mean, if you sit in one spot and you can't figure out why it's not working out, it's like, well, you need to branch out some and yeah. try Change new ideas. <laughs> Adapt huh. and keep going. There's a word that they talk about in polyamorous circles called compersion, which is uh, is basically like being stoked that your significant other got laid that's like yeah <laughs> i we am both so have a thrilled lot for you right <laughs> but it's this concept of it's the antithesis of jealousy because you know you feel fulfilled at your partner's satisfaction yeah. wherever that satisfaction comes from it's pretty I cool to be able to have that, that myself and i'd been with partners all throughout my past who thought that I was just hyping them up so that I could go off and do something that would be against them or hurt them. And I'm like, yeah. if you keep thinking that way, you'll never get to where I am with yourself. You have to be truly centered and love yourself. And I wouldn't care if he stepped out and fucked Muhammad Ali. I'd be like, hell yeah, brother. Damn, that's dude. banging. Like, <laughs> he, he dug up that grave and everything. <laughs> go get me a fucking autograph or something. Like, It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't fucking matter. Like. Yeah. 
It wouldn't matter who he was with. I would be happy for him if he was happy. Yeah. Ghost or otherwise. <laughs> You're ghosted. It is cool because I guess. He hangs out in cemeteries, you know. <laughs> yeah. It is cool because I guess I'm like in the opposite the opposite thing of you because like I'm in a relationship with a sex worker right now. Hell and yeah. And it is the same thing to where it's like. Nice, bro. I want you to be happy. And like she's like, oh, man, I saw a great client. I'm like, oh, that's fucking dope. Like, that's, that's compersion. Yeah. When you're so hyped on someone else's happiness that it makes you happy too. Yeah. And it's just like, I want that for my partner no matter what. Whether it's, oh yeah, I fixed the car today. Or the cat didn't throw up on the rug. Or I right. got a promotion. And it's yeah. like, yes! I like, beat that all of these are wins. level that I've been working on until <laughs> Yeah, I go to bed. I'm like, I've been in bed for two hours, but I'll like air high five you in my sleeve. Like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm happy for you. It was great. And so it's like, if you're not happy for your partner, then you're probably holding them back. But a lot of people don't see that. They see them more like an ownership. Like, we're dating in your mind now. Yeah. And it's like, if my woman ever started an OnlyFans, or if, like, my woman was ever out in this outfit, it's like, what? What would you do? What would you do? Would you break up with her? Because she's fine as hell. Yeah. And somebody wants her. It's like... She's I would be pe- happy for her. She's making people happy and is like... She's get, doing the Lord's great. work. <laughs> That's how I feel. It's just like, you're making people happy, you're helping out society, and you're not a, an ass about it, you yeah. know? It's very quiet, it's very subtle. No one can pick out the prostitute in the room when you're all out at dinner or something. Like, we don't stand up in a disco ball dress just waving our arms like, I'm a hoe! Yeah. Like... That never happens. Never. Well, but it's the same way that I think nobody can pick out the kinkster in the boardroom. Ooh. Because, you Depends know, on if you're wearing pants or not. Ooh, goodness. <laughs> or if the lights are on in the boardroom. Oof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did do that. Anyway. <laughs> When I know, like, when I first, uh, like, I guess, started seeing sex workers, it was in the, like, mountains of North Carolina. Okay. And there was a lot of ads that have, like, no AA, which Ooh. I didn't know what that, like, Ooh, first getting yes. in, I didn't really know what that was. Yeah, I had to Google it. And then I was like, <laughs> no AA, oh, no black dudes. Okay. That's, uh, that's a new one. How, uh, how do you feel about no AA? You know, um, I mean, obviously it, it sucks. I mean, as a, a black person, it's like kind of sucks if you're minded <laughs> of discrimination. I mean, that's not cool. But at the same time, I understand that there's reasons for it, you know, whether they're misguided or not. It could be from personal experience. It could be from, you know, just what they were told when, you know, you get into the industry. I know it's just kind of something, you know, knowledge that's passed along. Um, but for me, I think, um, you know, one, I think I'd have to say that is why I don't like for those reasons that are stated, whether it's like the type of clientele whether they're unprofessional or pushy or scammers, whatever it might be, the reasoning, well, why don't you just screen? Because if you're screening properly, then, then you know, you, you rule all that out. Yeah. Um, but I will say that my experience, though, despite seeing that, I have seen roughly probably three three providers that say that, and then I end up uh, being able to see them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think um, for me, you know, so I think once they let that guard down, so like I said, the screening, so I think in the early days, I remember the first girl – who had that, I think I called her. And so on the phone, she was able to, you know, hear my voice. I probably sound, people sound like a white guy, I guess. So, so you sound like a black guy. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Been told that all my life. Like, so, so yeah, I embrace it now, but, uh, you know, you, you come across as a non-threatening, you know, black person. So then they're like, okay, so, you know, it's fine. And then I remember there was actually this one provider I met and I actually got all the way to the room 
and then she realized I was black. So I guess while they're screening, she she screamed using like a picture or something. Uh, oh, so okay. She's like, uh, t- you know, show me a picture. And then I guess she wanted maybe like a business card or something. Okay. And um, yeah, so with the business card and my picture, I guess she just forgot to be like, and hey, you're not like black, are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she opened the door and she's like, she's like, ooh. And I was like, what? And I was like, and it was this awkward like moment. And then she's like, oh, I typically don't see black men and i was like well why would you fucking I'm like why would you say that right now yeah. i'm here yeah. this is weird i was like well i can go like i'm not gonna press you like whatever yeah like, give a shit and uh and then she's like it kind of made a joke which you know it's probably racist but whatever and, you know in your moment you're on a mission so like you can call you can call me an n-word in my face and i'll probably still go through with it but uh, <laughs> uh might make the dick harder right? yeah so in that, in that moment i guess she was like oh well you're not gonna Guess she said you're not gonna rob me or like you're not you know but she you know she saw my demeanor she saw how i was dressed and it, you know came across completely innocent and, and professional and i think she was like okay you know whatever yeah. and so yeah so it's never been a huge problem for me i'll say yeah. i've been able to wiggle around it if i feel like it yeah i'm never like i once i see it like the thing that sucks is like you'll see an ad and you're like oh this is a good ad i like these right. pictures oh yeah you read all the things and you get down the last line no a oh. you're like yeah well, fuck me. It sucks. Well, I, I, recently, I got past that with one girl here. Yeah, like, you know, you just, uh, yeah, you, if you really want to, you know, I think it comes down to them just, they do that to avoid getting to, you know, weed people out. But I think if they end up being able to talk to you or see you and screen you, then it's like, okay, you're cool. I'm like, I'm a nice person. Yeah, you're, you're, just... nice, you're, you're a really nice guy. <laughs> you happen to be black. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> you're not fitting the stereotypes. But yeah, it is a fucked up thing. But uh, yeah, I got over it. <laughs> yeah. Once I, I w- so I was doing the artist way, which is my favorite thing. Okay. <laughs> I actually need to restart it because I do it every year. But um, that was kind of how I decided that I was like, it was like this one, one of the weeks was like, what are, te- what are 10 or five things that you think that you're not allowed to do yeah. that you would like to do? And one of the, I just was like writing them and then I just wrote, make an album or record an album. Yeah. And I don't even know why I wrote that down or like where it came from or whatever. And then I kind of realized I was like, oh shit like i want to record an album like yeah if if nothing else like just to have it yeah why do, why do i think that i can't do this just because no one's asking me to do it yeah. like i have the material i'm good enough yada 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 so i like i i i had like i'd already made the choice about maybe a year year and a half prior to like only talk about like relationships sex men dating intimacy and um that kind of stuff and that kind of sphere and so i was i was already like oh well i already know what it's gonna be about yeah so now i just gotta like kind of fine tune it and stuff and then the the story at the end of the album is obviously a very true story and this is the real story is actually much longer but um, I, I realized I was listening to people's albums and stuff and my favorite comedian is John Mulaney okay. and I realized I was listening to his albums and he always has like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of jokes yeah. and then a final story that's like a little bit longer yeah. that like ties everything together. That's usually like what the, you know, everything is kind of about. And I was like, oh my God, I have this story. <laughs> Let's tell it. Let's tell it. Which was, t- I mean, 
so terrifying. Yeah. So I mostly worked on it almost exclusively out of town. Okay. Especially if I had longer sets. And um, just because it was just such a hard thing, especially at the beginning to workshop. Yeah. Just because I was like, I have no idea how the fuck I'm going to tell this. Like, especially quickly. Yeah. In like less than 12 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I just like booked a ton of shit out of town and like tried to do that. And so, um, yeah, it was... It was the best. Damn, that's amazing. Because yeah. there's, like, very few people, like, a lot of people do comedy for, like, a long time, but it's, like, they're not able to, like, really immortalize their material through an album. Yeah. And I feel like doing that has to be, like, just super fulfilling. Like, it was. And, I mean, I'm still very proud of, like, what I created. And, like, yeah. it feels very much like me and my brand. Yeah. And who I am and my voice and the voice that I've kind of created and kind of honed after all these years and stuff. And it's just something that I'll, like, kind of always have. Yeah. I have a tattoo of... Even if I, like, quit comedy and, like, I, yeah. I still am, like, very proud of my tattoo. It's It's got, like... I'll show it to you in a second, but... Because I don't want to get up. But it's got um, the skull from, like, my merch and stuff. Okay. And it says, cool, chill, girl. Then it says, no bones since 2012 from, uh. like, my one joke or whatever. But, um... <laughs> so, yeah, I got that in Athens, which is actually where I started doing comedy. Oh, so, shit, nice. Yeah. I actually, my first experience, uh, my first experience with this was with a pimp. Okay. Um, I was in LA and I was in a bad spot and I met this guy in Plenty of Fish and I thought he was cute and he said, come out here and bop, 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 you know? Yeah. And um, he definitely showed me the ropes of like real pimping and real hoeing as they call it, you know? And that was interesting. What was, how was your, what was your experience like with the pimp? intense it was really intense he wasn't necessarily mean but he was a little bit scary yeah for sure yeah and there's rules like that you're supposed to follow when it comes to that part of the game especially like walking the track things like that they just have certain etiquette and rules okay like is it like are they like what are they what do they provide what's like the pitch i guess protection especially in certain areas if you don't as they say, choose up, air quotes, you are really not safe because girls will beat you up. Oh, Guys shit. will just take you. Yes, it's real out there. Jesus Christ. Like on Fulton and Industrial. I don't know if anybody knows about that. Yeah. Um, I promise you every single one of those girls has a pimp. Damn. And I promise you he's watching what's going on and he knows. But if any other person tries to mess with them, he's going to be there. He's going to be there in like... Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like it's like it was like beneficial having a pimp at that time? Mm. Looking, yeah. if I guess if you were, if I were to, I guess a better question is like, if you're looking at it and you're like having a pimp, not having a pimp, what's better? You think? I think that you really should have something in the middle. A full blown pimp who is on that pimping lifestyle, and they have gorilla pimps who beat on women. No, never in a million years. Give all your money to that man. No. But being by yourself, especially in big cities like L.A., Houston, um, Atlanta a little bit, it's hard, you know what I mean? Unless you have the ways and means to start out, okay, you're kind of in a bad spot. So I think somewhere in the middle, like if you really meet somebody and they just kind of help you out and you help them out and there's like a percentage, okay, I think that's your best bet until you can get on your feet and do it yourself. Okay. Who would you say your average clientele is? It's really crazy because a lot of people won't see African-American men, which I think is crazy. We're in Atlanta. I think it's crazy, um, too. Hey. 
come on now. I, you need to be cautious with whoever you see. Um, but my average clientele, I, I see a wide spectrum. But what I found is that I see mainly 20 to about 35 black men. Okay. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, I'm... That's my demo. <laughs> not trying not trying to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Um, I'm kind of like a fantasy to them. A lot of them haven't maybe had sex with a white girl. I have tattoos. Yeah. I got curves, you know, long hair. So it's like, I intrigue them. I'm looking at you. I'm like, I understand. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then also, I... And this is great. I'm not going to speak too much because I don't want to be a snitch or whatever, but... Um, people in prison. Okay. Yes. We got to talk. How does it tell me about this? Okay. So, um, there's an app. I'm not going to say the app and I'm not going to speak too much on it, but people in prison magically get cell phones. I don't know how they do that. People in prison have cell phones. Crazy. That is crazy. Who knows? Um, or maybe they don't. I don't know. This all could be hypothetical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they, I get on there and they will pay me to, you know, play with myself, like have fuck a dildo, things like that. That's great. Yeah, it is great because I love to show love to the chain gang. You know what I mean? Gotta show love to the chain I gang. I have to. I have to. And I mean, I know that that just makes them so happy because they've watched every porn there ever was. They want a little bit more interaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's safe. It usually lasts like, what, 10 minutes? That's great. <laughs> And I'm richer in 10 minutes. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's great. So app, prisoners have a phone. They have the app. You have the app. You just do like a live show and get paid. Yeah. Wow. This is a, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. Or they might have phones. I don't know. It's Yeah. Allegedly. Who knows what's happening? Allegedly. No one really knows. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. It's fun too because a lot of them are really cute. Because I feel like you, like it's like you literally have like you... You're with dudes all the time, constantly with dudes, yeah. and then like it's like get to see you. I feel like it's fucking. You're making their day. Yeah, they love me. Like I remember one guy told me, I'm not gonna say the name of the app just because, but he said you're the Cardi B of this app. Like oh, I, shit. they love they love the kid, and I love them. You know what I mean? They're and a lot of them are real young. You know what I mean? Locked up for like what, like nine, ten, twelve years. You know, Fuck. maybe coming home soon. And they're cute. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Looking at a cute guy. Damn. So. Fuck yeah. That's dope. Just making people feel good. Yes. You should see a smile on their faces. It's like this. <laughs> I wish I could show these people, but it's so funny. Just yeah. cheesing. That's fucking dope. Hell yeah. <laughs> I know your your name's Bowie. Are you a David Bowie fan? Oh, yeah. It started, well, one was I was going to name my dog either Freddie or Bowie, okay. um, Freddie Mercury or Bowie, and name my dog Freddie. Uh, so when it came to choosing a name, I was like, well, I might as well be Bowie. Yeah. And I also did it sort of for like internet anonymity because my SEO will never be higher than his. Oh no. Yeah. So if you search for, if you just search for like Bowie, I'm never going to come you get up. David Bowie all day. Yeah. I feel like every time I think about David Bowie, it's just that, have you seen Zoolander? <laughs> it's a walk off. Yeah, it's a walk off. <laughs> the wedgie scene. Though. Oh yeah. <laughs> God, that's such a great movie. It's oh, classic. Love Zoolander so good. Mm. (laughs) 
him trying to get the coal, like the coal, like dirt off his like face with just <laughs> the like pile of cotton balls. <laughs> oh, it's so funny! I gotta watch that movie. It's, you know. yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> can you uh, can you remember like the first time you like heard of sex work? I was thinking about this earlier, and I'm sure I heard it, heard about it, not being called sex work. So I've heard these narratives in the media and in jokes about prostitutes and strippers and porn stars and i'm pretty sure i heard that early at like on law and order or something yeah that was a job you didn't want to be but i remember my first positive experience or positive idea of sex work came from reading jenna jameson's autobiography okay i was like 13 or 14 um now jenna jameson's like a crazy person but it was called how to make love like a porn star and I thought that was fantastic. I was like, oh my god, I want to be a stripper and a porn star. And was just like, that is the life for me. How did you like uh, initially get in? Um, well, I have two origin stories. Ooh, um, let's hear them both. <laughs> the first one is kind of, kind of typical. I was in university and went to an amateur night at a strip club and then... Didn't dance at that strip club, but I got invited to do private parties as, like, a naked go-go dancer. Okay. Did that for a while. It wasn't my thing. I'm not a good stripper. I'm not a good hustler. It's just, there are better people. So yeah. <laughs> it takes a very specific person to be a stripper, and I am not that good of a salesperson. Okay, yeah. And then, recently, I'm still what you would call, like, a baby companion. I'm within my first five years of working and I had just gotten out of a relationship and the relationship was good. It was fine. I just didn't love the person. So I was like, oh, gotta go. (laughs) I was really looking to kind of claim my sexuality and feel powerful in it. I mean, I'm not a very imposing figure. I'm very short. I'm, I look like I'm 12. I don't look like I'm 12. That's gross. <laughs> um, you don't look like you're 12. I'll, I'll ask to add that. <laughs> um, but I, I look pretty like you could knock me over. And so I was trying to find some way to reclaim my own power. And my therapist at the time suggested sugar dating. Okay. And so I tried that and kind of found my way to companionship through that. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. I had a therapist at the time. Her name was Betsy. And I said, Betsy, I really feel like I just want to stand on tables and just take my clothes off. Because my parents were so rigid. Yeah. And so evangelical and so like purity, purity, purity. So I was like, okay. She's like, why don't you? I'm like, that was an option? She's Holy like, fuck. Really? You're the professional. Like, you shouldn't be saying this. And uh, and she's like, yeah, why the hell not? So I did. Um, I uh, went around uh, Atlanta looking for places to stand on tables and take my clothes off. I went, interview- I went and talked to people at the Cheetah. I went and talked to people at these, like, cheesy lingerie studios. They used to have these lingerie. Like, you could see girls in lingerie. I don't know what it was. But when I went to interview for the lingerie guy... He told me to, like, take off my clothes in his office. And I was like, uh. I've seen this in a porno one You time. can <laughs> see what this fucking looks like from there. 
you know, and you owe me for looking at it. Besides, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me for the last 20 minutes of looking at it. Um, and I was like, uh-uh. So I turned on my heel, walked out. And I'm like, I'm going to do this shit myself. So I went into the yellow pages. I started looking up different options. I found this place called Delightful Massages. And this was the dawn of the internet. This was 19... This was Ooh, before I remember, the... <laughs> I remember 19... <laughs> Those this, were the good old days. Hell yeah. Very late, but very late. Um. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. So I went for making, okay, you heard what I made at the newspaper. <clears throat> so I started working for her, and she told me how to do it. She had two bedrooms, and she saw clients in one, and then she's like, all I had to do was massage people in lingerie. So I'm like, absolutely. My first week, my first day, I had like 150 phone calls. Oh, God. Are they giving you, like... They just put my name up. Like, they put me in lingerie up on the... on this. I had a mask, a big, big fancy, like, masquerade New Orleans mask. So cheesy. And, um, and like, a little teddy on. I was, like... I was so innocent. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I started getting phone calls like crazy. My first week, I made $2,500 compared were, were to $250. Like, were you like, well, I was a writer in a past life. <laughs> That part of me is stuff. Exactly. I'm like, well, it looks like I know what the culture values. So I'm going to just do this. And I managed to put my son in Montessori school. I got a great school for my daughter. I bought us a car that didn't break down every three days. And it got us in a condo. It was amazing. I was meant to be a counselor or a writer. And I didn't know that I was a healer. I just didn't know that until I went to to massage therapy and then i took it on i was like really like i'm a healer i can heal people because i'd been abused badly as a kid i never thought i would turn it around to be a healer yeah i was like that's never gonna happen but it was such a mind fuck to go wow i'm a healer now it just like changed my whole perspective and then i took that back to sex work and it enriched it fuck yeah yeah then i went to california what I, what I, what was what happened in California? Right. I feel like I feel like California. You were like I went to California. I'm like this sounds like a story. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So then, once I started realizing that I was a healer and that I could really be there for people and you know bring them the best massage, but also, I mean, listen to them and take care of them and be their, you know, their one place where they can be themselves, you know, it was, it was felt like an honor. So I started getting into, started reading a lot, of course. Um, I found a book called The Erotic Mind by Jack Morin. I don't know how actually how it's pronounced, M-O-R-I-N. And in it, it talks about your erotic blueprint, like how you are erotically based on all your experiences and how each emotion ties into your eroticism your orgasms like what makes you calm basically okay you know like we've each had certain experiences that are triggered like we have connections in okay. the brain okay yeah certain things are going to turn certain people my first husband loved feet turns out he had a french teacher who used to sit on the edge of her desk while lecturing and she would let one shoe dangle off the end of her toe while she was teaching french to 15 year olds boys that'll do it that'll do it (laughs) for the rest of his life he had a foot fetish 
So it was awesome because my feet felt really sexy. Did he know what it was? Did he know that that's what it was? Mm-mm. Did it take a while for him to figure out he that just, it was the French teacher? I don't know. I just always get to it really quickly for yeah. people. I just want to know. Like, okay, <laughs> let's talk about feet. Yeah. When did you first know? And then it became like a, he's like, well, maybe it was my French teacher. I'm like, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of things you know what it is, but you just like, until someone like gets it out, you're like, oh, wow. It was like in the mm-hmm. fucking, it was just in the subconscious the whole Let time. You get that shit out. Let me tease it like, out of you. I will tease it out of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You knew the whole time. You no, just it's, like, it's, and, that's my favorite part. The psychology of it, you know, learning about. Anyway, where was I? I was going to, okay, I started reading The Arctic Mind, and then I read a book called Women of the Light which was a book about massage therapists, nurses, yoga instructors who would also do sexual healing work. And it so validated me. I mean, I just could not believe it. I was like, wait a minute. This is spiritual work. I can actually reconcile my spirituality and my sexuality by studying this kind of thing. So it was revolutionary for me. Because I was, again, raised in a very, you know, Christian home. I liked the spirituality of it, but I didn't like the doctrine or the people okay. <laughs> or basically anything about it yeah. that I had experienced. <laughs> but I liked, you know, I liked the spirituality of it. So I went to California. I went to a place called the Body Electric School, which is a an amazing, it basically, um, if you heard of Esalen out there or, you know, out in Big Sur, there's a really cool place where people do naked body work and dig deep into their psychology. You have to look up Esalen. Okay. Anyway, but then um, I did a, a workshop called Celebrating the Body Erotic with Women. And we did this beautiful, all these beautiful ceremonies over like three a three-day period. By like the third day, we were like, one woman would stand in the center and then each woman on either side would very slowly and very delicately take off your clothes because you've consented to this. Okay. Beautiful music is playing. You're in a totally safe environment. It's a clothing optional retreat in the middle of the mountains of Northern California. And at the end, you'd keep going until everybody was completely nude. And then you'd hold hands and when I held hands with all those women, must have been 30 women, in a circle, and you saw breast cancer scars, you saw cesarean scars, you saw hair on chests, like you learned about gender fluid right then. I just knew. I understood that gender was fluid. Right then I learned it. That's amazing. Yeah. So I felt like I was holding these hands and we're all looking at each other in the eyes. We're all comfortable in our bodies we told our abuse stories or our happy stories and i felt this is heaven i'm in heaven right now yeah it's just it's just what i do i heal trauma i do hair and i give trauma like that's (laughs) all i know how to do like those are my talents like that's it hell yeah (laughs) how did you get into doming Actually, that's a really great question. I, I, um, it started like when I first had like my first fetish, but I didn't know what it was a fetish. And it happened in high school with a girlfriend of mine when, um, actually again, it's hair related. Like 
I, I would get like, I would have these girlfriends and I'm like, I'm so sick of my hair. I just want to cut it off. And like my one girlfriend that I went to my prom with, she's like, Dawn, it's so pretty. Oh my God, Dawn. And I'm like, what the fuck? Do you like my hair? Or do you like me? And then like a couple of weeks later, like, or a couple of months later, I had another girlfriend and she was like, no, Dawn, it's so pretty. No, Dawn. Because everybody loves your hair. And I'm like, do you like my hair more than me too? So now I'm yeah. like sensing a pattern, right? And then like, Finally, like a year later from the first time, I was at, at the pool with um with an ex-girlfriend and getting out of the pool, my hair's like, it was this long then and I was 18 and she's like, she was like, um, I was like, oh my God, I have to comb this shit out. I'm getting so sick of it. I just want to cut it off. She's like, good. Give me the fucking shears. And I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> and she was like, I hate your fucking hair. I want it gone. And I was like, I thought you loved it. She's like, no. And I'm like, well, why didn't you say something? She's like, cause it's your hair. And I was like. You know, I appreciate that, but that was pretty fucking hot when you just said that, right? Like, I was like, why am I feeling all squirmy right now? You know what I mean? And so I think think that's when I realized, like, having someone yell at you could actually be really hot. And, I mean, I know I remember when I was little, when, um, (laughs) like, I would get a spanking. I would be like, (laughs) I'd be laughing. (laughs) Like, I'd be like, is that all you got? Like, and it's like, it's, it's just... Yeah, I, so I think I think um, it's just always been there, but I just didn't really know what it was. Yeah, you know, and and then when I finally understood it more and and understood the psychology behind it, it was like, oh well, yeah, I'm just naturally like this. This is really cool. What made you want to decide to like pursue it like professionally? BDSM. Yeah. Well, it was kind of a mix between um, I majored in social work at Florida State University because I wanted to be a therapist, and. I also was was trained for a year. I did an um, an understudy with Mistress Elisabetta. And I didn't realize at that time that a lot of clients that come are actually, you know, whether maybe consciously or unconsciously, they might be working through some issues, you know, that they might not even be aware of. And some of them are. And I realized that it was a way to actually use what I'd learned as being trained as a therapist and it's also a way for me to do what I know naturally as a dominatrix and to kind of integrate it all. And it, it, it was just the perfect thing at the right time. And it was just like being able to integrate all of my natural talents and not letting, not worrying about what other people thought of it and losing all my fear and gaining my own life. Like I, I, I always tell people I gave up all my fear of trying to live my life as other people wanted me to be. I started doing it for myself and it has never been fucking better. Like I gave up every fear and I gained my entire life. That's what I tell people. I feel like that has to be so fucking powerful when you fucking, when you do that. Cause like not many people can just drop their fear and like live like honest and like who they fucking authentic. Yeah. I'll be an, yeah. That's, that's the key word. It's like living authentically. And I do. And, And the great thing is I live in the moment. I live authentically and I'm very, yoga has really taught me that though too. Like yoga really brought me into that awareness. So, and ever since then, it's just, I don't know how to be any different. The best part of the job for me was, it's kind of like what I was just touching on a little bit. A lot of people that watched me have watched me from when I started when I was 19 and like, just have watched me grow into this person that, it's hard to put words to. 
I've gone through like so many seasons of my life and I'm just always so touched by people that come in and say like, I've been watching you for a really long time. And um, just to see the growth that you've exhibited over the last seven or eight years, like it's really inspiring to me. And I just, I I just love that. I feel like that has to feel good when somebody reaches out and they're like, Hey, I know you don't know me, but like, I've been a fan for a long time. You've affected me positively in this way. And like, I really just want to let, I really appreciate that, you know? Yeah. There's a difference between that. And then there, there'll be people that are like, Hey, I've been watching you for a long time and I just love your asshole. Like (laughs) (laughs) I don't like those people. (laughs) That's an immediate block. But I feel like no, there's diff- there's a difference between like telling like giving someone like a genuine thing and then being just like a right. reply, reply guy that's just like <laughs> look at that ass uh, just like <laughs> chill dog like I appreciate it but just fucking know how to talk yeah, to somebody you know exactly but no there are a lot of people that just really love me as as a person and it's I've been having some of my best nights that I've ever had as a cam girl just because. I have like a really sweet community right now of people that I can count on them to be there and come in and talk to me and they make me laugh and yeah, we just have such a great time. So that, that is like my favorite part of the job. That's awesome. The hardest, the hardest part of the job is, oh man, a lot of stuff. (laughs) Uh, Let me think about this. What do I want to say? I guess um, it's it's not it's not um, it's not easy. Even though this has been like a job that has been the most suitable for like what I have going on in my life, my circumstance, um, it's it's really difficult to put myself out there every night. And when it works out, it works out. And a lot of the time, it works out. But there's sometimes where I feel like there's just a lot of really no I don't want to say that I feel like it just negates everything I just said ah (laughs) do you ever like so say like with uh like I do stand up right and like so say I go on a streak to where I'm doing badly right and then I'll start to be like fuck was I ever funny like why am I really doing this like I'm just like second guessing myself and then I go out and have like a good show and I'm like I'm back what the fuck why did I ever doubt what I was doing you know does that ever happen like if you ever like cam you're like oh I'm not it's not going well and then it kind of maybe a couple days it happens and you're like fuck like does self-doubt ever happen or yes that's exactly it and that's how I what I was trying to say is like there's these yeah that's exactly it yeah there's there's just I'll have periods especially because of the pandemic where it's just like for a week straight it's just like silence and people are busy because they have their own stuff going on and I'm like what's happening and then yeah yeah that is like the most challenging part of the job and it still happens to me (laughs) yeah because I mean it is like one of those things where you're like you're putting yourself out there more than like fucking so many people and I feel like it's just it just be like not tying other people's I guess I guess how they interact with you based on like how you feel about yourself it's fine it's 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 hard you know I guess yeah um wait what was that thing that you just said 
can you repeat what you said? There was something I was going to say, but now I can't remember. <laughs> Basically, like, I guess, not like tying your self-worth to how people interact with you on the cam, yeah. on cam, I guess. Yes. And that, that is, that is what's really difficult for me is I will put myself out there in a way that I don't know. I, I'm, I think that there are more people that are willing to be open and vulnerable and honest with themselves, but like, I kind of take it to the extreme sometimes and I think that's good. I think that's why I have a lot of the fans that I have now, but it also means that I do attract this crowd of people that aren't very nice or think that there's something wrong with me for what I'm doing and are really vocal about that. So yeah, there's, there's pros and cons to it, but that what you said is exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. I was struggling. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're good. You're good. (laughs) So I, was I was a frequenter of uh, Craigslist Casual Encounters back in the day before Fossa Sesta. So I used to get on Casual Encounters quite a bit. And this was back in Missouri. And so I, I didn't understand at this point. And obviously there's women on the internet. But there's like a saying, you know, there, there's no women on the internet. And I didn't yeah. know that saying at that point. And so I would put these ads out for, uh, you know, male looking for female. And I would, I would get all these responses from quote unquote females. And we would do the talking and the sexting. And everything would lead up to the point where we'd about to meet. And then they'd be like, oh, I got to tell you I'm a dude. And I'm like, God <laughs> fucking damn it, bro. You know what I mean? And I just – that happened like five or six times. To where finally, um, one guy offered me money. He was like, I was like, no, bro, get lost. And he was like, I'll give you 200 bucks and you just got to let me suck your dick. I was like, whew. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, man. I mean, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where the whole, you know, straight best friend experience thing that I um, have kind of coined over the years um, came in. Because I really learned that like, you know, like we were kind of talking about a little bit before we got started, like, you know, the, the thing that sets male escorts aside from female escorts is that there's no female equivalency of grinder, really. You know what I mean? Guys can go have sex at any time. So whenever you're providing, um, you know, sex work for a gay man, you have to give them something other than sex. And I learned on very, very early on that gay guys love the idea of a straight man. Like they, they love, they're like infatuated with the idea of having a straight guy for the hour, you know? Yeah. What does the straight best friend experience kind of look like? So if you couldn't tell from my name, I'm, I, I, so I, I don't bottom at all. Um, I don't suck dick at all. Um, and I don't, I'm not intimate. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to kiss you. I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm not going to cuddle with you after we're done. I'll talk about sports with you. I'll bullshit with you. We can kick it, um, you know, watch some porn or whatever. But like I'm – you know, those are like my hard lines. I'm th- the same things that pretty much like if you can imagine um, yourself as a gay man and you talk to your straight best friend and, you know, letting you fool around with them for an hour, like the same lines that that guy would have. That's the same lines that I have. That was our look back at 2020. Yo, shout out to everybody, Every guest that I've had on the podcast, I would not be able to do this without you. I truly appreciate it. Shout out to everybody who listens to the podcast. I fucking, hey, thanks for being here. We'll be back in 2021. Make sure you're following us at Full Service Pod on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Tank Funkadelic. Hit us with those five-star ratings. Write us a review. I'll love you forever. Hey, we're out. I'll see you in January. Peace. Full Service.